Welcome to the junk drawer. I remember seeing that as a kid thinking, oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt sees the tweet and replies, watch it again, it's mostly Tom's fault. I'll give you 20 minutes. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, all that you need to do is shoot guns and have sex. Oh my That's God. My. Here's why. You know the differences between y'all and me? I make this look good. It's finally time to open the junk drawer. Hello listeners, that is a spoiler for today's episode of The Junk Drawer, episode 4, Quattro for our Italian listeners. I am your host for today, Mario Arico. To my left, I have Mr. Bryce Hall. Bryce, say hello to the good people. Howdy, how's it going? You guys don't know that I'm to his left because this is purely an audio format, but that's okay. That is true. And then to my right is the producer and fellow podneer... Pod San, San Diegans, Mr. Cole Brown. Hey there, uh, I am to his right and I'll fix the audio in such a way that I only come out of your right speaker, so in that way you will think that I'm also to your right. You brilliant son of a bitch. <laughs> well, let's keep it PG. Okay, well, today's movie, um, just a classic. Tom Hansen, greeting card writer and hopeless romantic, is caught completely off guard when his girlfriend, Summer, suddenly dumps him. He reflects on their 500 days together to try to figure out where their love affair went sour, and in doing so, Tom rediscovers his true passion in life. That's right, everyone. I'm talking about 500 Days of Summer. It is the first romantic comedy that we are doing in the podcast. Certainly the first romantic comedy. It's the first comedy, right? Yeah, I think. Oh, unless you count Daredevil. I do not. Well, how I dare think, you? I think first the majority of, all. of people would. <laughs> first of all, how dare you? <laughs> but yes, 500 is a summer. PG 13 film came out in the summer of 2009. It is directed by Mark Webb, who has become kind of infamous for his role in directing the nuts, the ill fated Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider Man movies. Um, but yes, 500 is a summer. It stars Joseph Gordon Levitt and Zoe de Chanel. And it was just a delightful little flick. So jumping in to this podcast, our first category for the afternoon, night, morning, whenever you're listening to this, is the ratings. Guys, what do you think about the movie? What'd you give it? So I don't normally like romantic comedies in general. Just How a, dare you? Just across the board, not a personal favorite genre. Okay. And so as I was thinking of a rating, I was... <laughs> I was like, is this too high? Because my number was 90. And I was Oof. like, that's really high. That's I was 0 to 100, 90 is high. But I just, I think it's a really good movie. It is, it hits this perfect place in romantic comedies, and we might talk about this more later, where it's not like older romantic comedies that I don't like because it's not saccharine like they are, like, oh, sweet, nice ending. And it's not like more modern romantic comedies, which are like, super sad always like it's yeah. like oh it's like not Blue, a love Blue story Valentine with Ryan Gosling I have not seen that but oh, it's, it's like tragic. every romantic comedy is not a comedy now it's a, it's, not a comedy. it's a tragedy where yeah. they are in love and then one of them dies and, yes and so I don't like that either um so I have it as the goat romantic comedy at 90% and wow. I was like I don't know if that's too high but that's where I've got it yeah Cole what do you think so I think 
this was a movie that I have liked more in previous watch throughs. And I don't know if it was, you know, sometimes maybe it's just where you're at that day that when you're watching something, it kind of takes you this way. But I will say, so on the whole, love the movie. think it's great. I think for me, it kind of falls somewhere in the 84 range. Okay. All right. Do you know, is there anything specific that changed your opinion of it? So, okay, again, I think there are, I think one of the things it does best is it knows exactly the type of movie it is the entire time. Yes. Like, I think we've talked about here before, um, what is it, Suicide Squad that has, like, nine different genres that it falls into. <laughs> yeah. Well, my favorite example is Hancock. Though. Or Hancock. Hancock. Yeah. Hancock, okay. Yeah, so it's like... Hancock? It knows that it's a romantic comedy from start to finish, and it lives in that realm like really really well throughout which it's kind I think of satirical great. right yes. it kind of makes fun of the fact that it's rom-com i don't think it's satirical i don't think it's making fun of the rom-com but it's kind of inverting a lot of tropes of oh. the genre do you want to host <laughs> no, i'm just kidding <laughs> put on blast <laughs> for no reason i didn't deserve that yet <laughs> no but you're right you're right so yes um, i think it, it does that really really well and then i also love like it is a unique storytelling structure by the way that yeah. it kind of paces through going, you know, later in the relationship and then earlier and then kind of doing this like back and forth motion. And it doesn't even, it's not even like working inward to the middle. It might just jump it's to random. A, yeah. It might jump all the way to day 503 and then back no, down to day. There's, there's no, no, no. Yeah. I know. There's How only 500 This was, you know, hyperbole. It's a, it's a movie though. Did you watch it's it? A movie. <laughs> it's in parentheticals. I think there's a little <laughs> bit of breath there. Yeah. Yeah, because the movie starts, they've broken up. And so it's just a different start. To well, it starts with movie. the narration. He says, this is a story of boy meets girl, but this is not a love yeah. story. Yeah. Um, Which is good. Cool. Yeah, I gave it a, a 96. Woohoo! I, uh, I, I love this movie. Um, it's, it's very... I, can wa- I, I usually watch this movie about twice a year, just because it's one that I enjoy putting on and, and watching. It's funny. It... Gets me in the feels every time I watch it. Like I know it's coming, obviously, but it's still it's so visceral to me. Very relatable, and um, yeah, I just I really enjoy it. So I gave it a ninety-six. The Rotten Tomato score. I'm, I can I just guess that it's going to be very high. Okay, that's, that's my fine. guess. I mean, it's a good movie. I know that it's very well. Liked. It's going to be high eighties. It is. Drum roll, please. Eighty-five percent. Hey, lower than I thought. I'm one point off. Audience score. This is rare. Audience score. Eighty-four percent. Dead on with what Cold War had. Yeah, it's tip the cap to you, Miss Cornstone. It is certified fresh, which I think means keeping certain ratings for a certain amount of time. Certified fresh is what Rotten Tomatoes says when the movie has mostly positive ratings. Okay. Mm. Um. So yeah, I uh, I just really enjoy it. Cole mentioned some of the, the things that make the movie so unique and interesting. The way it's shot with the just random scenes. Like, it gives you this timeline of 500 days that he, he, she's in his life. And then it just takes you on this crazy, funny journey. You get really high highs and then you get really low lows. And it's just, it's such a cool, cool thing. Yeah. No other movie I've seen did, did that. Well, yeah, I, mean, I feel like, I mean, it, it has been done before and other yeah. things for sure. Um, but I think in a nothing comes to mind. Not, not as like a weakness, but I think there, there's almost um, a little bit of an ease in the directing of like an episodic style movie. Where like, okay, we're just gonna do this scene. It doesn't have to like fit in this in the timeline. Otherwise, like I think about you know movies that are start to finish story, like 
you know, everything has to build on the previous yeah. scene and has to feel momentous. This does a good job of like you can have like a really really happy scene, you know, immediately put next to a really really terrible scene and get that tension and you know. I think it would be more. Di- I've never directed, obviously, but I think it would be more difficult to shoot a movie this way, because it's like, how do you? You obviously script it out this way already, right? Or you don't just shoot things and then put it together later. Yeah, no, I definitely think you know what you're shooting before you go into it, um, but I do think it is more of a challenge because you don't want the movie to feel disjointed, and this movie never feels disjointed. Uh, and non-linear storylines have been used before, like you guys were saying, and famously in the movie Memento, uh, also in a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies, they do that as well. But it's the Tarantino way. <clears throat> in those movies, a lot of times it's used as uh, to heighten the action or suspense. This one uses it to do what Mario said, where it gives you a high high and then a low low right back to back, because it never forgets what it is. Like Cole said where it says this is a story of boy meets girl, but this is not a love story. And so you get these high highs where their relationship is going great, and then it immediately cuts 400 days into the future where the relationship is is terrible. Um, and so it does that very effectively, and it uses that technique in a way that other movies haven't, I think. Yeah. Um, very well put. Some things to point out, there's a lot of quotes in this movie that I really, that I really liked in watching them. I forgot how, how funny they were. Um, the first one is, so when Tom is dealing with the breakup, um, Agent Coulson, who was his boss, Agent Coulson mm. from S.H.I.E.L.D., calls him in his office and asks if he's doing all right. And he goes, yeah, what do you mean? He goes, well, this is the last card that you wrote. Roses are red, violets are blue. Fuck you, whore. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just so unexpected. It's a PG-13, so that's the one F word that they were allowed to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another one where Tom is starting to go on a couple dates with Summer, and he's got his two buddies, who I think are perfectly cast. They're two no-name guys, essentially. I, I mean, so the guy that plays... Morgan? Matthew Gate, Matthew Gray Goobler. Yeah. I don't know how to say his yeah, name correctly. Yeah. Uh, is pretty famously on Criminal Minds, yeah. so... Oh, okay. He's the, he's the smarty pants. That show is he that the, show. He's the, the Morgan, Morgan? Or McKenzie, I'm sorry? No, not McKenzie. His other oh, friend. their guy. Okay. The guy who dresses in scrubs and has been married to his girl from... Nine, you know, yeah. We should know his name, but we don't. Yeah, we, we should. Um, I think they do a really good job of supporting actors. But um, anyways, they're talking with him in the cafe, and they're playing that arcade game. And uh, he goes, so what are you guys, like boyfriend and girlfriend? And Joseph Gordon-Levitt goes, oh, labels? Like, I don't know. That's so high school or something like that. And Mackenzie goes, you sound gay. <laughs> and his friend confirms it. <laughs> Very unexpected. The last one, the best quote in the movie, I think, is they're at Ikea, which I love Ikea because of this movie. I want to go on a date in Ikea. I'm, start, I'm trying to get Bryce to go with me because he's never been. I've been to Ikea. Ikea. Have you been to Ikea, Cole? Oh, I Ikea. Yeah, I love Ikea. They're on the bed in one of the, one of the rooms, and you think things are getting romantic, and then Joseph Gordon-Levitt goes, Honey... There's a Chinese family in our bathroom, and they turn to the right. There's like the Chinese family looking at them awkwardly. <laughs> oh, it's just great. Yeah. Um, quick note: Matthew Gray Goobler plays the character Paul. So Matthew, gotcha. when, you're, when you're listening to this, two men, sorry about that earlier. Sorry, sorry. You didn't know the character name. Sorry, I didn't know obviously, your name. you're still on the invite list to the party on Friday. We'll it's, see you there. <laughs> there's a party. Yeah. Party in the pants. Um. So 
think one thing I like to do is I couldn't really find any casting what ifs, um, but I, I like to say if we had to recast it in 2009, who would you guys cast for? Let's do Tom, Summer, and then the friends Mackenzie and Paul. Ooh, okay. I hadn't thought of a Mackenzie and Paul, but it, I knew we were going to do recast, and so I came up with a pretty decent brainstorm. First of all, we can just preface by saying that it's an excellently cast movie, and For sure. Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel are very good in their roles, and it would be difficult to replace them. So I don't know if my cast is better than them, but it's a different movie, and I think I still like it. Um, for Summer, of Kirsten Dunst, which I'm into, because oh, okay. she basically plays a similar character to Summer when she is Mary Jane Watson in the first Spider-Man trilogy. Mm. And then for Tom, you need someone who is like... Tobey Maguire? No. <laughs> we'll just redo Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, you need somebody who is objectively handsome, but also you can believe that he isn't like confident in himself. So you can't cast somebody who's like... A, I could play him. A Brad Pitt who like... There's no way this guy doubts himself. He's the most yeah. beautiful man on the planet. James um, Franco doesn't really work there. Right. James yeah. Franco doesn't work. James Franco doesn't have an out of, ounce of self-doubt in him. Uh, I like Adrian Brody as the uh, Tom character. That is good. I think he's a little old. In 2009, is he a little old? I think so. I was trying to think how old was he in 2009, but I think I he's really in remember. his late 30s. Okay. Well, okay. Early, I think he's in his 40s now. Okay. I don't, I, I, he looks the part, but I mean, that would be, yeah. I think that's a great, great choice. Thanks. Yeah. Um, could you, off the top of the head, the friends, or we'll come back to you on that if you, if you uh, I think another character who could play the McKinsey character is uh, Danny Masterson, the who is Hyde from. Uh, that's okay. Show. Oh yeah. yeah, that's a great yeah, that's a great cast. What about Paul? Um, uh, you can do Zach Braff from Scrub, JD from Scrubs. Yeah, because yeah. he wears Scrubs. That's why. That's why I made there the connection. Go. Cole. So I mean, we're just in the what if world. Yeah, what if world. And, and I, you know, I'm gonna fully embrace the what if world, especially because they, if you look at them, they have very similar just look. Is you know, I love you, I miss you. I would probably put Heath Ledger in the in that role. Okay. Uh, uh, J Jason. Uh, I don't Joseph, think Joseph Gordon Levitt. I don't no. think Heath Ledger was alive in 2009. I know. That's okay. what I'm saying. Like uh, that's why we're in Dream World right now. I think. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Sorry. I thought that uh, maybe I misunderstood. No, 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 it's fine. No, it's fine. It was in 2009, but that's fine. <laughs> what about your Zoe recast? So okay, here's the thing. I think I think Joseph does an incredible job. I'm not like upset with his portrayal of the character. But I think Zoe is less replaceable than he is. Like, she she does her role in the movie, the, the character she's supposed to be, like, perfectly. Okay. Not that he doesn't do a really great job. I just think she's much more difficult to, like, find somebody else for. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to think of who it is. I think a very similar character, and so it would almost be kind of at the risk, a little cookie cutter maybe, is, um, I'm forgetting the actress name, but from Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet plays a very similar like pixie character in that movie. Yeah. In that movie, that you know she could probably just as easily step into this movie and play kind of that wild card type, you know, character. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I did for the Tom character. I thought <clears throat> Topher Grace. Topher Grace from that '70s show. Mm -hmm. I thought he could pull off that. Because the, the, the role is kind of like, a little bit like Eric. He, he same Similar qualities, where he's objectively handsome, but he has no confidence. Um, I thought he could do well. And then I thought Rachel Brosnahan 
Um, she's become really famous from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I honestly think you plug her in and she looks kind of similar to Zoe Deschanel too. Um, then for the, for the friends, for Mackenzie, I thought you could do Jay Bruchel. Am I pronouncing that? Bruchel? Bruchel. Yeah. I think. And then, I corrected you, but I don't know if I said I, it right. Yeah, right? <laughs> and then for Paul, I thought Josh Gad. Yeah. I'm right. into that. Almost early Josh Gad where he's not as A-lister. Yeah. So he doesn't take attention away. Um, all right. So the next category, it's kind of a loose category, but Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character Tom goes through some really highs, highs and some really low lows in this movie. Mm. What do you guys think was the highest high for him? What was his highest point? This was an easy category for me. I had yes. like, instantly thought of two things. Okay. Yep. So I want to see if y'all thought of the same thing. All right, Brace, go ahead. No, I want to see. I if think you our, I think our high high is going to be synonymous. Okay, My, go for it. What is it? Yeah. Our high high is his following scene from having his first yes. sexual encounter with right. As I referred it's to so it great. on my notes, the uh, Hollow Notes post-coitus scene. I called it post-coitus! <laughs> <laughs> I called it the Han Solo dance montage. Han Solo? So the best part of the dance montage, he gets outside, oh, he goes yes. to like, do yeah, his hair, okay. and yeah, I read online... That um, that got the most laughs from everyone. It's a, it's the whole thing is funny because, yeah. like we mentioned early earlier, the whole movie is like almost hyper realistic as you're watching it. it obviously, the nonlinear storyline structure isn't like something in real life, but all of a sudden there is this completely absurd dance number. Yeah, and it almost takes you out of the movie, but it's also like so perfectly appropriate. Like it's a scene where I could understand someone being like, I don't like that scene. It doesn't fit. But I love that scene in the movie. It's it, it fits I, well. For I me. thought of it as, can can someone watch this and think what is happening? But they do such a good job of like, okay, you immediately know, yep, this is what he's thinking because he just got to have sex with Summer. Right. Um, it's just hilarious. That was Joseph Gordon-Levitt's favorite scene to shoot. I read. I'm sure. They I'm tried sure to get Hall and Oates in the actual montage. Oh my they gosh. backed out. That would have put it over the top. What put it over the top for me was a little cartoon bird. The cartoon bird, which is like, <laughs> it, it is them like winking at you when they put the cartoon yeah. bird in there. Like, yes, we know this is the most yeah. absurd part of the movie. And, I, and that's, I mean, maybe it's kind of backing up a little bit, but that's one of the things they do really well too, is they do these several times throughout the movie, is if you've watched a lot of just romantic movies in general, they do a lot of wink twos in like style to like other previous romantic movies. Like there's a portion where they kind of have these one-off monologue or one-off interviews with some of the characters talking about their love life or their yeah, impression of love. Yeah, I really like that. And that's very when Harry met Sally. If you have mm-hmm. ever seen that movie, they do the exact same style. Well, I think ways. a lot of not because the diner where they have pancakes seems to, it reminded me of when Harry met Sally. Yeah. I don't know if it's exactly the same diner, but mm-hmm. but yeah. So definitely highest high is is him post coitus. Hollanoids. 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 Um, so then, in the alternative, he goes through some very low lows, um, and every time I watch my scene, it mm-hmm. uh, kills me. Your scene. I know the your scene. scene. That, oh. The scene that I'm going to choose. Think, I think we're all going to agree on this one as well. All right, go ahead. Tell me, tell me what you have. Mine is the, it's a dual, it's a split screen, yep. yes. reality versus his, what he we're, wants We're to synonymous on both. God, when he sees that she's engaged, what makes it worse is the buildup. They go to this wedding, she doesn't tell him she's engaged, or she's seeing someone seriously, they dance, she invites him to this party, you're thinking, oh my god, they're gonna get back together. And then, yeah, oh god, she, she's engaged, she's at this party. She kind of throws him under the bus, too, and she's like, he could be a really good architect. Yeah, that was, that comment was a bit over the line for me also. But that scene is really great. 
um, in what it does. And it is his, definitely his lowest low. Obviously, this girl that he is still very much in love with, is he just finds out, is engaged to someone else. And the reason they broke up was she didn't want to be serious and he wanted to be serious. Yeah. And it's been like a couple weeks. So that's, that's a tough hit for him. But the way they film it too, again, is kind of putting on screen one of the themes of the movie of expectation versus reality, right? That's what the We've all done that, are. right? We've all gone, well, we've all liked a girl. I, I could assume that you guys have been in this situation where <laughs> you have, you know, what you expect to happen, the best outcome, and then it doesn't happen that way. Right. Yeah, Bryce used the term earlier of hyper-realistic. And I think that's like what the movie does the best of like any romantic movie I've ever seen where like it sets up these scenes and these dialogues and these interactions that are like, Oh, I had this exact experience or something similar enough that like, it doesn't feel like a fake story. It feels like, gosh, that is exactly how it would go down. And so like, I think the expectation expectations versus reality scene where he's going to the party is like, I, I wrote it down as I think it's probably the best scene in the entire movie. Not to say that other scenes aren't great, but just like, yeah. It's shot so well. It's like exactly what happens when we like in a relationship and just what we hope to be true far exceeds what's actually happening in front of us and kind of that letdown and it's God, rough. it really just, it hurts watching it. Very personal. Watching it the first time was like painful. I, it got me high school girl. That's another great little thing. They put a real person it's on It's a real thing. Best friend, two good of friends, finally go on a date. Whoa. Thought it was going to be the best thing. Oh, we're getting into it. We're getting into yeah, we're it. Thought get it into the I'm not giving too many details. Thought it was going to be the best thing and then it hit with this. Fast forward, you are starring in your expectations versus reality exactly. movie. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think, and again, like one of the things I referenced at the very beginning is I think the music in this movie is oh, soundtrack's absolutely phenomenal. perfect. There's not a single song that's done poorly or in port at bad time and like, again, that scene and the song and that scene, if you listen to it, oh, yeah, is so good. strong. It's like this, like kind of French-accented singer. Dude, exactly. <laughs> oh, and like right then, right time. as he's walking down, leaving, it like the lyric is like something to the effect of like, "I am the hero. You can't save me." And I'm just like, he can't, he can't be saved. And then he walks on the street, and it like turns into shadow. Yeah, it was uh, an architecture thing. Gets me. I, I cried. Um, honorable mention. Great scene though. The karaoke scene is really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. His karaoke performance is really good. And then Mackenzie singing Proud to be an American. He can't keep up with it. <laughs> she plays a good drunk. Oh, I think there's a dialogue there too. And he goes, do you have a boyfriend? She goes, no. And then he like immediately says like a robot, are you a lesbian? <laughs> like I just, yeah, he does. Oh, man. He definitely, he definitely plays the drunk guy well in that, yeah. where it's like, he's not even listening to her response before he's asking yeah. the next question, which is very drunk person. All right, well, cool that we all agreed yeah. on those. I'm glad. Um, so the next carry is one thing you have to change with the movie. Um, for me, it was tough, because I think I only gave it a 96% because it was short. It was an hour and 37 minutes. I'm like, I want it to be a little longer. It feels longer. Um, for one thing you have to change, Cole, what, what, would, you ha- what would you change? I mean, this is just me being like overly naive, but I think part of the reason why maybe my points dropped a little bit is because rewatching the movie, I just get madder at like his pain and like more sad for him. Yeah. And obviously, like it ends in a positive space where like you know she wasn't right for him. We'll, she found we'll get some. To that. I know. Yeah. He, you know, everybody's getting something better, but it's like. Why did know, he stay in it? Yeah. Yeah. But I think the one thing I would change is like. It would be a way worse movie, but I would just make it so that they end up together. <laughs> That's a way worse movie. Yeah. 
Um, but it, they're happy about it. Like they both find joy in it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Again, a way worse movie, but well, I have less tears. We can go back to another theme of the movie that it's a fundamental, fundamental misreading of the movie The Graduate. There. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I would change. I think the uh, Tom gets it together montage for me kind of drags a little bit. Okay. Uh, so from the party until great song though. Yeah, I mean it's it's good, but it just feels a little bit long. And I would I don't even know how long it is, but I would cut a little bit of that. I mean I could cut the whole thing honestly uh, to get more scenes with uh, Rachel, who is played by Chloe Grace Moretz. Um, the scenes of Tom and his little sister are some of my favorite scenes. She's yeah, really she's good. great. She's really funny. She's really don't insightful. Don't be such a pussy. Right. <laughs> she's funny. She just turns around and says, don't be such a pussy, which is hilarious. But then uh, when she's actually comforting him, which I think is actually part of the beginning, Tom gets it together montage. Oh. She yeah, says, no, it is. I know you thought she was the one, but I never thought that. It's just because you're thinking of the, the good things. Go back and look and really look. Yeah, she's preaching. That's so. That's such a realistic thing that people tell you. Like you're just right. romanticizing the good things. Yeah, she's preaching. Uh, so I, I could use. I could use another fifteen minutes with. Yeah, she, Chloe's Rachel. on fire. She's funny when she describes her old boyfriend. She's got Brad Pitt's <laughs> hair with Jesus's abs. Yeah, <laughs> the one that Zoe's gonna hook up with. Um, the thing I would change is it's a little spotty, but maybe they could. Cause this is just really nitpicking. The timeline doesn't make sense. They break up on day 290. She's married on 476. Um, So she got married. She met a guy within six months and they got married. I mean, it's doable. Yeah, I mean. But she would have to. She changed 180. Yeah, we pointed out that she gets engaged very quickly after they break up. Which is, again, part of the I guess actually that works really well. It is a short timeline, but it does make sense. I do have a nitpick about the timeline if we're ready to go there. Um, yeah, let, we might as well. Because our, our, next, our next category is about the realism. Yeah. Okay, so so let, let me just introduce the yeah, category. Yeah, go ahead and slide into that. So do you find this movie realistic slash has something like this ever happened to you before, which we know it has happened to me? Do you think this is realistic, Bryce? Okay. So, again, using the timeline, he, according to the film, quits his job on, I think, day 445. And he doesn't have another job interview for 55 days till day 500. I think that's realistic. He goes two months? He lives by himself. Maybe he's... In Los Angeles. No, he can't San, San Francisco. That. That's the we, same We know his family lived close by, but he had to get a portfolio together. I know, but like you got to work at McDonald's or something to get, pay the bills. <laughs> well, maybe they cut them. Maybe he's sitting on a nice little nest egg. You know? <laughs> he does have a nice He apartment. must have a very nice nest egg. He's got a great he lives apartment. by himself in a wonderful apartment in one of the most expensive cities in the United States. Yeah. And he has enough money to save up to float for two months. <laughs> hey. I don't think I buy it. might be the Daredevil thing. You know, he's secretly <laughs> well, rich for some reason. Please don't tarnish this pod with that movie. Oh, is this not Daredevil? <laughs> I'm just saying. You told me um, this is for bad birth control. You, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I believe it. <laughs> Do you think the movie itself, like the love story, that type of thing, is that realistic to you? Yeah, I mentioned that I think that's what makes this movie work, is the love story, well, it's not a love story, is overly realistic. I think that's why people connect with it, because we've known someone like Summer, or we've known someone like Tom, or maybe we've been like Summer, or been like Tom before. I wish I was Summer. Uh, and we really <laughs> connect with those characters. We've, they, they seem like real people, yeah. right? Normally characters, again, I think this is why I don't like romantic comedies, Characters in romantic comedies are supposed to seem like real love, but they don't seem like anyone I've ever met before. Yeah. Um, I think something that romantic comedies ruin for people are 
your expectations mm-hmm. and what you ex- what you want to happen. And this movie is so it's like just kills you because it's so real. Um, has this ever happened to you? Anything like this? A relationship you just, you like just this? Say yes or no? Yeah. No. Okay, lucky dog. Cole, what do you think? It's a realistic movie? It's definitely a realistic movie. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is not uh, the podcast podcast slash like you know therapy yeah. therapy cast. But I mean, yeah, did no, you find it like oof? I think it's part of, again that's part of like not my frustration with the movie, but just like seeing his story again. It's like I see similar things to myself of staying in a situation far longer because you know you hope you believe it's going well and not seeing the clear signs that it's not all that kind of stuff and so like you know part of me is like watching it like dog get out you got to get out day one 100 like yeah. it's been bad for for weeks now you know it's funny i've <laughs> watched this movie before i was in a, in a different relationship where it was the same thing but you didn't you don't get out because you think oh we'll make it mm-hmm. um so the next question is would you have stayed in this relationship she tells him at the beginning i don't want a relationship and he's like yeah no it's it's casual would you have stayed if you're Tom and you're infatuated with this girl, you hear that, would you have played it out or would you just run right away? I think I would have stayed, unfortunately. I would not have run immediately, not from the, I'm not looking for thing, anything serious. And I think the reason for that is in past relationships, I probably am more of a summer than a Tom anyway. Okay. Um, so deep. when you guys talk about how you want to stay in the relationship too long and that's what Tom does and it's definitely true. Uh, I have in past relationships, I'm married now, so that's not true anymore. But you're going to brag about it. <laughs> uh, I was getting out of the relationship too soon, like first sign of trouble, like anything bad happens, I'm like, this is fine. We don't have to hang out anymore. Uh, <laughs> which is kind of what Summer does. And uh, so I, I think yeah. I relate more to that side of it. And for her, what she what she doesn't like is, oh, he's getting too, he's liking me too much. That's not what she doesn't like. <laughs> what she doesn't like, and it's, again, expectations versus reality, is she's like, I like you, and I enjoy what we're doing right now. And But he's basically saying, like, I need you to feel the same way about me that I feel about you. And she's like, I can't do that for you. Right? He, In the he, car, that car scene. Um, or at another time, he says, I, I need to know that you won't wake up one day and change your mind. And she says, can't, that's, I can't that promise you that. That's at the door. It's so realistic. Yeah. I, that stupid talk you have to have with girls. Now, you don't have it anymore, Bryce, but you don't either because you're engaged. Like, where is this going? Where do you see this going? I go, oh, I think we're just having fun. It's like, okay, we've been on 18 dates. Right. How much, I'm getting, I'm poor now. That was day 290 that she says that. So they've been dating for 10 months. Okay. Cole, um, would you have stayed? <laughs> So, Lindsay, I love you, and uh, I'm getting married. I'm excited. She'll never listen to this I'm story. <laughs> but, man, Playing I, this at I, the have wedding. A, I have a bad track record. The be- I mean, it's, it was it peaked in the, in the sense of it being terrible, the worst, in high school. Where what event? I, I dated a girl far past the point of I should have continued dating her. Track record. And I, I, I do agree that Bryce is more often the summer, and I'm definitely more often the Tom. Which was true when we dated. Yeah, it's... When you date each other? Yeah, obviously. Um, but no, it's funny because there's be times, I mean, Bryce and I have been friends for a while where I would seek his advice on kind of how to what how I should approach this relationship. And he's always like, get it's, out. Yeah, so often his advice would just be like, yeah, you just don't talk to them anymore. You just cut all ties. That's it. <laughs> cut them like, off. Well, how do you do that? He's like, oh, like so-and-so and I haven't talked for months. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, she thinks we're oh. still dating. <laughs> <laughs> Delete the number, dog. 
Which reminds me, I owe him a two month anniversary. Dang it. Yeah. Um, but no, like I just, I definitely, I think where I'm at now, mature wise, like yes, I could step out of that relationship. But if I rewind to Cole Brown in, you know, high school, yeah, no chance. I'm, I'm completely sucked in trying to do anything to win her over. I think I'd still, I think I'd still stay in it. Unfortunately, 2019 Mario. All right, so the next category, which scene sells the movie? If you have to show one scene to convince someone to watch slash buy the Blu-ray or you're pitching it to the execs, what do you show them? And you can't show them the dance scene because I think we would all show them. I would not pick the dance scene. Oh, cool. I'd pick a different scene. All right, Bryce, what would you show them? So I'm not 100% sure this is the right answer because it is at the end of the movie and so it would spoil a great number of things in the movie. That's fine. I mean... But uh, I think it's the... The scene that best encapsulates the whole movie is near the end when Summer and uh, Tom meet up again on the park bench, and it's just their whole conversation is great. Uh, I'm listening to every word they say, explaining why it didn't work, and it's just it's so good because um, he's upset and he's frustrated and he's talking about like I don't get why you couldn't be serious with me, and then a few weeks later you're engaged to someone else. Um, it's a good scene. And she says, "I w- I just woke up one day and I knew." And he says, what did you know? And she says, what I was never sure of with you. Which is, like, heartbreaking for him to hear, obviously, but, like, the truest thing she could have said. Straightforward truth. Um, What do you think he lacked? It just didn't work. And it's like, I don't think it's anybody's fault. It's just they were not... Compatible. You know, it's... Learning so much. It is often a thing that you... A certain uh, je ne sais quoi, if you will. But it it wasn't right. And, you know, it got to the point where all the things that they thought was cute and loved about each other became things that bothered them about each other. And that's what happens when you're not in love. True. Bryce, or your call, what would you, what scene would you choose? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, just kind of still t- talk about that scene. One of the things that the movie I, I love a lot is that, you know, since it is a romantic comedy, there's, they, they splash the comedic elements in a really, really effective splash way. Fuck. So in that scene, uh, they, you know, she calls out to him. He says back to her, he's like, oh, I guess, you know, I should congratulate you. Uh, and she goes, yeah, only if you mean it. And he goes, well, in that case, and it says yeah, nothing. So, and I'm so like, great. gosh, it's such a tiny little joke that, like, keeps that scene light, but then it jumps right back into, like, you know, more of the drama elements of it. So that definitely is a really strong scene. I think for me, the, like, the scene I would show to win people over to watching the movie would be the expectation versus reality scene. Even though it's so heavy, I think that, like, just that idea of like that's what so frequently happens to us anytime we're let down by something is because our expectations exceeded what we experienced yeah. uh, in the reality of something and so I think that would just be like a cool little slice of like hey this movie is is, is attempting to address like the real things that happen in relationships um, I think I would I would show a scene where she gets upset with him with Tom after Tom kind of sticks up for himself and thinks he's defending Summer's honor. He punches that creepy guy in the bar, and they go back to her apartment, and she's upset with him because of that happening. And she goes, I just want to go to sleep, and we're going to talk about it tomorrow. And Tom, like, blows up and says, no, like, we're in a relationship. Friends don't do this, and then friends don't have sour, sour sex together, blah, blah, blah. Not sour sex, that sounds gross. <laughs> he goes, you're not the only one who gets to say in this, damn it. And he throws the ice, and then it's a powerful scene. I'm like, oh, that kind of... Sums up the relationship right there. Um, and then I actually would show the one part of the movie that Bryce would cut out Oof. when he's going through Tough getting hit. his rebuild. His rebuild. I love when he's bouncing the tennis ball and the song starts and yeah. it, and he's, he erases the chalkboard. It's 
great symbolism. He's starting fresh. He's starting over. Um, he's going to focus on himself and chase. And that's so real. He's going to get a better suit. Yeah, or get a suit. Right. Uh, it's real, right? Hair. When you're, you're so consumed with wanting to find someone, people are like, oh, I'm just going to focus on myself. And then this is what he does. And it, it was really effective for me, not for Bryce. Um, <laughs> so I think another thing, too, is in this kind of the scene that sells the movie, I think it, it doesn't fit anywhere else what we're talking about. So I do want to talk about it because I think it's going to be an unpopular opinion with you guys. But here's the thing. Uh, I think my I think one of the weaker scenes in the movie is Joseph Gordon Levitt's uh, scene where he quits his job, and where he he he's very raw and emotional and kind of kind of says that we're you know he's, he works for a greeting card company so he's basically saying we peddle crap and I don't want to be a part of this and it's like this really really long monologue of him like kind of doing only serious for a long time. And it's not that he's bad at it, but I think he does way better at like the the times when he's supposed to represent feeling crappy when it's like the short burst ones. Like I love the scene of him leaving the store in the morning with the Jack Daniels, the orange juice, and he sees a couple walking. Get a room. And he's like, get a room. No, seriously. Like seriously. It, you know, that's like where it's still funny, but it's also like him being upset. And so that scene is probably my, my like, I think one of the weaker scenes in the movie, only rescued because... Uh, or mainly rescued for me because in the very end, McKenzie goes for the slow clap after he leaves. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I did need that. I needed a tiny bit of humor. It reminds me of like um, Bryce and I have joked about this with like Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Like every once in a while, they'll just let Will Smith do like the most like intense drama Dramatic, portion. Yeah. But then like Carlton will walk in and like trip. And I'm like, okay, that's <laughs> okay, what I need. Right. I still need still it. Like, Fresh the, Prince. It's still Fresh Prince. Okay. I, uh, I see what you're saying. I really like the scene. I think it's really funny when that lady's pitching the cards. The other part is funny is the cat cards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's like, that's suicidal and that's like <laughs> hopelessness. It does seem out of place in terms of the movie being really realistic. It's like, okay, this is a movie scene happening. Yeah, this, this is an this, intense. Mm -hmm. This blow up, he's quitting his job because he's realizing love is fake. Like, that's the most rom commy thing of the movie we could argue. It's a weird like, condemnation of the greeting card industry. <laughs> yeah, no. I agree. I think that scene would have been better had when they when uh, Coulson sent to him and said, "Hey, do we have anything from sympathy?" If he just had some like four just like ringers, just like dark in the dark, dark in the dark, kind of like things that were kind of describing himself too closely, yeah. and then with like the last one, it just kind of he just walks out of the room. I will say two, that would have been funnier. Two cards that Tom wrote that I would have purchased. I love us. I thought that was really cute, mm. and then. Every day you make me proud, but today you get a card. That's a good card. That was such a good That's card. That's a good greeting card. Um, okay, so next, our, one of our favorite internet research. We call it tidbits. I like to call it tiddly bits. Presented by AskJeeves.com. Mm. Presented by Ask Jeeves and the good people at Alta Vista. Thank you, Alta. Thank you very much. Bryce, what tiddly bits did you have? So, I only have one, one tidbit today. One tiddly bit? But... I think it's one that I can hang out on for a while. So recently, actually, uh, 2018, so not that Ooh, recent, but... Last year. Last year. Um, someone tweeted, still haven't forgiven Zoe Deschanel for what she did to Joseph Gordon-Levitt in 500 Days of Summer. Oh, so how dare that tweet. Joseph Gordon-Levitt sees the tweet <laughs> and replies, watch it again, it's mostly Tom's fault, he's projecting, he's not listening, he's selfish, luckily, he grows by the end. JGL is preaching right now. Oh. So, I saw that, and I saw, had seen that before I rewatched it, 
And as I'm watching the movie, I thought to myself, I don't know if I agree with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Now, I don't think it's Summer's fault either. I, I don't, you know, he, he does do some things that are uh, I think wrong. it's his fault. She let him on the whole way. And I think that saying something like, for what Zoe Deschanel did, is like, Summer, the character Summer, doesn't owe the character of Tom anything for any reason. So she doesn't do anything to him. She dates him, and then she decides she doesn't want to, and so she breaks up with him. And that's normal. But I don't think Tom is inherently uh, doing anything selfish. I mean, he, he wants more from her, obviously, but I don't know if I would classify that as, as selfish. It just, like I said, doesn't work. She, he loves her more than she loves him. She would not say that she loves him. The one thing that I would say is Tom's fault is when the relationship sours is on Tom because the relationship sours around that bar fight that you mentioned earlier. And that is the time that it is a little bit selfish. So I guess... Well, they kind of make up, right? She shows up... She does make up, but I mean, I think the damage is done also. But going back to what JGL said, I think I maybe do kind of agree with him because that is the thing that I do think breaks the relationship. And if you look at it, the scene... The guy is hitting on Summer, and he's being pretty rude to Summer, even not knowing that she's dating Tom, um, and he doesn't say anything. And he doesn't speak up, and he doesn't get upset until the guy starts talking about him. Yeah. So he says some stuff to her, like, come on, why don't let me buy a drink? Like, what are you doing? He's being way too aggressive. Tom should say something then. He doesn't. She's like, seriously, leave us alone. And he goes, oh, this guy? And that's when Tom gets upset. Like, how dare you speak about me? Yeah, he's, he's like, like, this is your boyfriend? Yeah. I think Summer's character insightful. would have been even more upset, though, had he stepped in. At the time, I'm thinking Tom's like, okay, she's handling herself fine. Right, and she was. And then he's having a lack of confidence issue. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, the, the thing and that makes the... the relationship turn is he doesn't get upset until lack of confidence, he is insulted, not when I, I think also when you rewatch it, Summer, this is going a little off, but Summer can tell Tom's lack of confidence where he puts her on a pedestal and he doesn't think the whole time he's thinking, I'm not good enough for her mm-hmm. kind of thing. And like that probably bothers him. However, I disagree with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, even though he played the character. She leads him on the entire movie. You can't just casually date someone and have aggressive sex and do like girlfriend things but never say that you're dating like, that scene encapsulates all of that when he says, we're in a relationship, you're not the only one who has a say in this. Like, right. even at that point, she refuses to say they're anything but friends. Like, you can't take advantage of someone. Yeah, that's fine, break up with them, the relationship didn't work out, but the whole time that this is going on, she won't say, we're even together? Yeah, I don't yeah. think she's oh. taking advantage of him, though. She's very upfront the whole time about what she's looking for, and maybe... Well, I guess she, it's his own fault, She then. considers it. Like a friends with benefits arrangement, I don't know exactly. But like he he goes on that he goes on that setup date with a girl named Allison. And she's cute as well. She's you he, know pure pretty all that kind of stuff, and he begins to vent his woes about how his time with Summer. And she goes, "Okay, let me get this straight though. She told you up front she didn't want to date, and she never, she never took on you. she never treated on you. She never took advantage of you. You know, and says all these things, and she's like, so, you know, kind of, why are you this upset? Right. And then he, like, realizes that she's got him, and he goes, I know what we should do, and then he gets drunk, and yeah. he does karaoke, so, like, and she leaves. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you're right. It was, uh, not you're right, I still disagree, but it was a friends with benefits situation. He just refused to see it that way. Right. To me, my, my, yeah, still on the same subject, the only part that I feel like is, uh, you know, Summer's character is 100% in the wrong is the, uh, the quote-unquote casual dance at the wedding. Yeah. I, I agree Because the conversation she has later in the movie with him when he says, well, why did you dance with me? 
Her response, she just shrugs and goes, because I wanted to. And it's like, at that point, she definitely was just being selfish. Like, she wanted to, that's fine. That's a fine motivation and, and to have. And she invites him to the party. But, like, to know that all the feelings he has for you and just say, I want to, so I'll dance with you, is, is very selfish. Yeah. Well, and, so, yeah, I agree with that as well. <laughs> because they're not just dancing. They're dan slow dancing to At Last. Yeah. Which is, like, that's not a casual slow dance. Yeah, also, hold, hold the mic for my man, whoever's singing that, that song. Guy's, yeah, he's I gotta, dominating. I gotta look up that guy, because that song is incredible in that movie. Too bad they didn't have the Dan Band. Fucking give it to a baby, nice and yeah, slow. I agree with that, Colt. That's the only thing, because. But then I, I don't. Not because it's unfair to Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think it's unfair to the person that she is dating at the time and will be engaged to very shortly. Yeah. Me. For her to be schmoozing again with the person that she True. has. I don't know. So yeah. great, great tiddly bit, Bryce. Um, you want me to go? I will go. Um, so a lot of the bands, I didn't know this, a lot of the bands on the soundtrack actually broke up. Like Simon and Garfunkel, one of them, were one of them. They broke up before the movie came out, I think. The bands broke they up. Used which just, yeah, they I used see. them because it was like, oh. I thought you were saying it was like the curse of being on 500 Days of Summer. Yeah, right after the movie they came out. like Simon, years before Simon the movie came out. Oh, it's <laughs> like, um, so this Too bad one, for Funkel. <laughs> this one is really interesting. And I, I never thought about this. And I can't wait to tell you guys, so I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Fans have a theory that the last park bench scene where Tom and Summer are hand in hand, not hand in hand, they're at day 408, I believe, and like Bryce referenced it, or is it 408? One of those days, 437 something. Bryce referenced it. He's pretty much kind of getting his closure, and she's saying it didn't work out, yada, yada, yada. There's a theory that that is just in his head. That is fake. He's just thinking that. He wanted it to end that way so he could have the closure that he needs and that the last time that they actually see each other is at her party, which is day 408, and it ends on that horrible note and he has to get his life together. What do you guys think? Do you think he actually conveniently runs into her right before his interview or do you think he's just sitting there trying to get his headspace and he just imagines this scenario so he can finally let her go? No, I think that... First of all, any fan theory that's like, oh, he's just imagining the scene usually is a little bit absurd for me. It's a cool idea. But I think she is too brutally honest for him <laughs> yeah. to have been imagining it. You can't tell yourself, quote, uh, I found in someone else what I wasn't looking for in you. You don't think no that's... One's, no one's that honest with themselves. That can't be him finally maturing and realizing this is why it didn't work out. This is what I have to overcome, this fear that I can't admit to myself. I think if I'm him and I'm imagining that scene, it, it speaks more like, oh, um... He was hotter, so I got with him. Uh, yeah, but think of the growth pregnant, his character is so, doing, right? Huh? Think of the growth his character is doing. He's finding himself in this whole extended period yeah. of time. You don't think he could get to that conclusion? I agree. I don't think it was a theory. I don't think it was fake. If he's grown that much, he doesn't have to imagine his ex-girlfriend, I don't think. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. And then the last one I have is... Um, there's a flashback scene in the beginning where she is selling ice cream. She works in an ice cream parlor. And um, you can actually see Tom, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, is on the line. He's standing in line waiting to get ice cream. I never noticed. So I'm, next time I watch it, I'm going to yeah. I'm gonna have to see that. Um, uh, I think, I mean, for me, a tiny, tiny one. Um, is I, I, like, Googled it because I didn't know what it was. Is when he's asking when um, Paul's character, or... The, the character Paul in the movie, who's played by a guy from Criminal Minds. I've already forgot my boy's name again. Matthew something? Matthew Gray Goobler. Goobler. The Goobs. The Goobs. Uh, Goobly Doobly. Yeah, so Goobs is talking to him, and he's 
asking, he's like, wait, so you finally got with this girl that you've been like obsessing over and he's talking about it? And he says like a series of things and it's like yeah. almost like a stepbrother style, or not stepbrothers, a wedding crasher style where he's like asking all those things. That, all those things, but he goes, did you get a hum job? And I, and I Google, what is a hum job? Like, I don't know what this is. And then I only find out that basically they said that so that they didn't go to a rated R rating. They, they, they couldn't, couldn't say, say blowjob. Blow wow. And so they they go with just this fake phrase to like keep that. Although saying. a hum a hummer is a real thing. That's yes. true. So when I when he says hum job, I'm that's like, what I was thinking of. Also, I'm thinking hummer. I'm like, whoa, that was really. Why did he jump from like whatever to hummer? <laughs> I think I'm glad they changed it because I think it's funnier. A mm-hmm. hum job. Um, cool. So last category here, guys. Do you like how it ends? Are you okay with it not happy it being a happy ending? And how would you have changed it if you had to? I, I personally just like sad endings anyway. Now, I really? say that knowing that 30 minutes ago I said that I don't like that most romantic movies today have sad endings. <laughs> but it seems like they're being unnecessarily tragic. And that's, I'm not into that. But like the sadness in this movie is realistic. Um, it's making so, me sad just thinking about it. And so I like that that's real. Um, also, shouts out Mika Kelly at the end of the movie. So it's not the saddest ending, you know. He he has is that the actress's name? Yeah, Mika Kelly is the actress playing Autumn. Uh, she had she's the one who wanted to lose her virginity to Vincent Chase in Entourage. She's also in Friday Night Lights. Didn't see that one. The TV show. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I did see that one. Um, yeah. Do you think? Uh, do you think he gets with her? Do you think that's a happy ending, or do you think it's just a couple of dates? And I think that's definitely like, the, like the best way movies, or not movies in general, but just like the best style of storytelling, where it lets you just decide in our imagination as the viewer, like, like to to add forty minutes to that movie to give them a few dates. <laughs> that would kill it. To yeah. give excitement to what's happening for them, like it makes it way Sequel, worse. Five hundred. Just to let it be that moment where he's like, "Hey, like," and she goes, "We'll figure it out," and then he just goes in. Like that's like the perfect way. To like establish that, regardless of it, if autumn, which all like Season. the little tiny things are great because it goes from summer to autumn. And he, kind of he meets her, he meets Zoe or Summer on Jan- January 8th. He ends his relationship with her, or he completely like lets go of her, May 23rd, first day of autumn. So, yeah. May and 23rd first, is not the first day. Oh, well, that's what they said. I don't know. I think it is. I think they consider that the first, yeah, the, yeah that's what they consider no. the first day of spring is like May 21st, May. Oh, I. You said first day of autumn. May 23rd is not the first day of autumn. Autumn and spring. Autumn is fall. Autumn is fall. Autumn is oh, fall. I can't even think. Yeah, so I don't know why they said that was like a thing. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Forget <laughs> that. Meteorologist loser. <laughs> <laughs> so that makes sense for my next point. They didn't dress summer in any red colors the entire movie. Well, they did. So here's one thing that was cool that somewhat the tidbit thing too is because a lot of times like not that I'm like flexing my my career here but like I look at like the kind of like the cinematic elements the sound elements maybe some things beyond the actors not that y'all aren't either but so one of the things that I, I found out too is that they purposefully for Zoe Deschanel's character if you notice this looking back a lot of the coloring and scenes and shots and setups are all heavy in the blue to like help her eyes and they even considered making her a blonde like whether it was through like an elf like an elf well to, yeah like she an looks, elf she looks better but to make her more of a true summer right. character of like the season like blonde in the summer i'm glad they didn't um, do that it would have been too, yeah, yeah. too forced um so cole do you think um would you would you have changed it i know you said i wouldn't have wanted 40 more minutes but do you think it ended fine 
Yeah, I think it ends exactly how it should end. Cole did say the thing he would change would make it a happy ending, even though he knows it's the worst movie. Yeah, I mean, oh, like... they get together, yeah. But again, like, I, I, I don't want that movie. Yeah. I think it's better, yeah. obviously, as it is. Um, one, one thing... I, I, I agree. I think it ends perfectly. I think it ends the way the movie needed to end, as far as how it... The tra- trajectory of how it was going. However, every time I watch it, they just do such a good job of you thinking it's going to work up until that reality versus expectation scene. Mm-hmm. They're at the party, they're dancing, they have this really romantic dance, and then she invites him to this party, and you're like, oh my god, it's going to work. Um, so part of me every time is like, I wish it worked. Like, I wish she, she you know, uh, what's that, fondness or absence makes the heart grow, or fondness or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Absence makes the heart grow or, or fonder. fonder, that's yeah. it. In fondle. autumn, uh, absence makes the heart fondle. Yeah. Um, but it ended the way it needed to end, and uh, I think uh, I think him and autumn, I think they they hit it off. I think he uh, they become architects together, and they build themselves a castle made of iron and brawn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anchorman reference. So last question: How we end every episode of the every podcast every comcast as my mom says does this belong in the junk drawer bryce uh i think for the first time i'm gonna say i don't think this movie belongs in the junk drawer number one i don't know if i've ever seen it in my junk bin at walmart slash target so that tells me it doesn't uh and just a lot of things about it don't feel like that kind of movie it's an independent movie it's not made by one of the major studios um it just doesn't really fit with the typical uh junk drawer style movie yeah, uh, Cole, go ahead. I think it's funny because I, I think that it is for the same reason, or it's <laughs> it should be for the same reason. So, like, the very first note I, I made about this movie, and this is not, like, a discredit to the movie, but it's just, like, very hipster. Like, the, the way it's shot, <laughs> it the is. music in it, like, the whole style of it. Like Now it, it is. I don't think at the time it was. It was hipster then. You think so? It's, yeah. like, it's, like, right up there with, like, The Life Aquatic. Like, those kind of movies where, like, it's, like... Budapest Hotel. It's, like, eight parts... Art, three parts story, and then like two parts like de- you know references that you don't understand. Ring so up. like whatever that adds up to. But you know I just think for me that's why it can exist in a drunk drawer because it's not like this is not the movie that like Mike from Pike House like grew up <laughs> watching or something like that. Definitely, I right. hate Mike. Like I think douche. this is like it's enough of a kind of not I mean more of a cult following that it, since it doesn't have like as much of a demand that it kind of gets to live in the junk drawer. In its kind of obscurity. I am going to take that reasoning and disagree. I think it's for that reason why it's not in the junk drawer. This is what I was saying. I think it's too much of an art house film. It's too... It's a beautiful movie. And it's uh, it's really something that is like... I don't want to sound too overly dramatic here. But it's like an award-worthy type movie. It did win awards. Oh, it did? Or it was nominated for Golden Gloves. Okay. Which, the Golden Globes, we can make a movie that gets nominated for Golden Globes, maybe, but, um... Settled up. <laughs> but, no, I just think it's, uh, it's just a little, it's a too high of, on, the, on the totem pole to, to belong in the junk drawer. Um, I think it's for sale right now. You can get a copy of it for twenty eight ninety nine. That's a joke. But, um, yeah, so thank you guys for going on this emotional roller coaster with us. Looking forward to the next one. Hopefully it's something a little happier.